Welcome to our weekly show, Brands That Podcast, where we focus on one thing only, showing you behind the scenes of how some of the best brands in the world are using podcasting to grow. Before we dive into today's episode with Patrick Campbell, the founder and CEO of ProfitWell, on how they've used podcasting and really content in general as an unfair competitive advantage, I'd like to give a quick heads up that my audio had a few issues in this episode. And so please forgive me on that, but I hope you really enjoy this episode with Patrick Campbell. Patrick, thanks so much for joining the show, man. Yeah, great to be here, man. We've we've known each other a long time. Now we're now we're like formalizing the relationship with a podcast. <laughs> I love it. Once you have a podcast interview, the the friendship and the formalization is official. Totally. So we're like BFFs now. <laughs> <laughs> we're here. We made it. But yeah, I'm I'm so excited to chat today because you know, one thing I know about about you and about ProfitWell, it's what you, you guys have placed a huge emphasis on creating content, you know, in the form of podcasts, video shows, articles. I mean, from day 1, you know, back to the price intelligently days, I know content has played a huge factor in your guys' success and growth and You know, what I really wanted to dive in today is like what you specifically have seen working for podcasting and specifically the channel of podcasting and and all of the forms that you've used. But before we dive into some of that stuff, could you maybe, for those that don't know, just give an overview of what ProfitWell is and why you launched it? Yeah, 100%. So we... We basically help with what we're calling subscription revenue automation. So basically, you plug in your billing system, Stripe, Braintree, Zora, whatever you're using for subscription management, and essentially we give you a bunch of tools to help you, you know, boost revenue and protect your churn. And so our flagship product is something called ProfitWell Metrics, which is basically a product that gives you free access to all of your MRR, your churn, your cohorts, all of your metrics. And we enrich your data for free with Clearbit and full contact. So you can basically do segmentation to your heart's content. And the way we make money is then we have a couple of different products that help reduce your churn or optimize your pricing, these types of things. And what's kind of cool is with the, the free product that's not just free, but also good. And that's a big misconception of a free that it doesn't have to be as good as the paid competitors. It does. We have about 20% of the entire subscription economy using that product. So it just gives us access to you know, a huge bevy of data, not only to make our products better, but also to share an aggregate form with our community so that they understand what's working and what's not. So yeah, that's kind of the, the rambly overview of what the heck we're up to over here. No, that's amazing. And I know, you know, based on the data and the research that you all have, the proprietary sort of research you have, that's informed a lot of the direction of the media and the content you've pushed too which I want to dive into. But for one piece of context, additional context there is, could you give us an idea of how big the company is just or in terms of team or customers or revenue, whatever sort of helpful tidbit that you think would be most relevant? Yeah, definitely. So we're 65 folks in Boston, Rosario, Argentina, and Salt Lake City. We just opened the Salt Lake office actually in the past six months. And it's been fun because I actually moved as part of the opening of the office. And I'm so glad I'm in a house during all this fun COVID stuff than the studio apartment in Boston. So a little, little bit more room. But yeah, we've, we've been around for about eight years. Yeah, 20% of the market I already mentioned. So that's kind of the, the back of the baseball card information. Cool. And we'll dive into podcasting, but what marketing strategies 
have you used that you have found most effective outside of podcasting? And then we'll dive in specifically to that channel. But I'm curious, what other mix of marketing have you used that you found you know, the most effective or most under the radar, potentially? Yeah, I can't tell you all of my secrets and all our secrets, but I can give you some. So we... Content, you know, I know we're going to talk about it more in depth, but content's been really the center of everything, mainly because we, it's kind of a funny story. Like it wasn't that we, you know, we've now done insane analysis on why we're doubling down on content, which I can get into that data in a bit. But in the early days, we actually had access to a free HubSpot account. And so we were thinking, or I was thinking like, oh, so how should we market? Well, I guess blogging is like a thing, you know, and we were in Boston with, you know, hardcore, you know, inbound marketing with HubSpot being in the area. And so we just started, you know, started writing. That's kind of how we got started with content. But I think that what's evolved from there is content's still like the, the centerpiece of a lot of our marketing strategy. And then on top of that, we layer in a lot of other fun things. So when we do our outreach, so we do inbound outreach, outbound outreach, we run the ABM playbook, or at least our modified version of the ABM playbook, which is account-based marketing for those of you who don't know. It's not anything revolutionary. It's kind of, I call it you know, email of 10, 15 years ago, because basically what you have to do is you have to be a lot more targeted, a lot more personable, you know, just like very, very you know, good when it comes to doing kind of these outbound or these inbound outreaches. And so we use video for those folks. We do a lot with like custom content on a lead level, which is pretty cool. And then there's there's a whole halo effect of some demand gen, some social, and a bunch of other things that go around go around that piece. So, yeah. Long story short, that's kind of the, a couple of little nip bits of what we're doing on the marketing side. Yeah, and it sounds like to your point that content is that centerpiece, even with the outbound approach and other sort of channels that you're tapping. Like the fundamental foundation of that is the content that you're sharing through those channels. So, you know, with that being said, when you first started using podcasting as a channel, you know, whether it's you guesting on other podcasts or starting your own shows, you, you've launched shows like Tradeoffs and Protect the Hustle. You know, what was that insight that led you to podcasting being a channel to explore? And, and then what has since, whether just from overall content or podcast specific, what have you learned since then that has allowed you to say that you want to double down on it? Yeah, it's a great question. I think that the beginning was at least we would do kind of these these guest podcasts, so meaning like I would be on another person's podcast because what we were doing is written content. And then all of a sudden we're like, well, there's a lot of podcasts. Well, you know, we can be on other podcasts. And that started working well when it came to not just brand, but we would get inbound, right? And people would say like, oh, where, you know, how'd you find us? Oh, we found you were on such and such podcast. Because what's fascinating about, I'll just say shows in general, but podcasts and video series included, is that basically there's a huge power of the niche, right? And what that means is, is like, you might have a person's podcast where there's only a thousand people who view each episode or listen to each episode, but that might be like the actual thousand people that you're going for. And that's always been the case in marketing. But with podcasts, it's just, there's a different level of targeting that you can get to given some of these shows, given some of the things that, that kind of come out of the, the works here. Now, when we saw that early success, we started thinking through, Hey, like, how do we elevate our content, right? Like our written content works really well. Our books that we publish work really well. But then all of a sudden it was like, interesting, like 
what's going on in the market because everyone's content is getting better and better. Well, we started doing some research and, and we found a couple of things. One, we wanted to answer the question, how do I email you every day and not annoy you? So that was like one of the first questions. And then in addition to that, you know, how do we basically get, you know, increase our like visit ratios? So what I mean by that is if you look at the average B2B blog, right now you can expect, at least based on our, our research, and this research is a little old, but you can expect like 1.6 visits you know, per person um, on average, right? And, and obviously there's some people who are consuming tons of your content in a week, and there's some folks who are consuming no content in your lead, lead list per week. But we were trying to figure out like, how do we boost that number? And what we started studying was essentially looking at media companies. Because we noticed that, you know, places like Bloomberg or The Skim or some of these other kind of, you know, newer age media companies, they were getting, you know, average visits per week of like seven or more, right? And that means that people are consuming that content like pretty aggressively. I and mean, obviously because it's in news. And so we started looking at it and we were thinking, okay, well, it's not enough just to have 10x content. But you need to, you know, treat your business more as a network or more as like a media network, which is, hey, the product is actually the content. So it's not just SEO. It's not just, you know, ebooks and things like that. It's actually like episodic periodical content that's not only podcasts, right? But it's also things like video, as well as things like even, you know, written newsletters or written series. And so this was kind of a bit of a breakthrough for us. And we started thinking through, okay, well, obviously we need a podcast, just a traditional podcast. And then how can we kind of break the mold and have some things that are either niche and or kind of entertaining? So we came out, our, our first show or our first thing we did is we just started doing a video to accompany each, you know, each blog post. And then we came out with Pricing Page Teardown, which is this show where we collect data we look at a pricing page and we basically like break it down and you know change it up and you know say hey this data suggests they should do this or that and then you know we started rolling protect the hustle which was kind of like a traditional interview podcast and so on and so forth and then the game became okay how do we not just do one podcast but we do multiples and we do it at cost efficiency right because it's not like we can you know we're buzzfeed where we can just throw 30 people at it you know we have a team of like six and how do we like look like we have a team of 30 and so there's a bunch of different work that i'm happy to get into around making this cost efficient and then making it you know worthwhile and our thinking has evolved in terms of like what kind of content we produce as well but this is kind of all happening in you know kind of a couple month period all this research and then we started executing on it by by coming out with the shows and then evolving it over the past you know 18 months or so that's incredible yeah and I, I do want to dive into the cost efficiencies but first you know you more than probably most companies out there have an insight into really going down the video media, like content play, and then also the podcasting side. So sort of being able to see both of those channels side by side in what the advantages or disadvantages are of either of them. And I'm curious from your lens, like how do you look at the benefit or the trade-off of video versus podcasting as like a content distribution, um, an audience building and platform? Yeah, I think what's what's kind of fascinating is my biggest my biggest suggestion is you have to have a channel or a medium, I guess is a better way to put it, focus. And then you should try your best to add the other mediums as well. Because what we've found at least is that like people listen or watch in different ways, right? So with pricing page teardown, when we're like physically looking at a pricing page and physically looking at data, 
that's a very video first show and it's pretty difficult for us to make that into a podcast right whereas with an audio podcast i should say cuz i don't know where the where the, the market is in terms of a video podcast a video is it an actual podcast or not but the semantics aside here whereas protect the hustle which is kind of like an interview show that's a lot more of probably podcast first and then video second. And it's not to say that you don't have the podcast, you know, and the video. It's just to say that you have to treat them a little bit differently. And so what we found is that if you're just starting out, doing just a straight audio podcast is probably the easiest. The amount of equipment and the amount of creative decisions you have to make are, you know, much less than if you're doing a video show. Because, you know, videos just hasn't a level of complexity because it's not only audio, but it's also the video. And visually, there's a lot of things you have to do. But it's not to say that, you know, for an audio podcast, you should just do a generic interview show unless that's the only thing you can think of. But I think that the big thing to kind of think through, and I think it gets a little bit more to the spirit of your question, is, you know, making sure that you're focusing on each medium individually. And then in addition to that, making sure you're not missing out on, you know, kind of the crossover potential that's there. Now, in terms of advantages and disadvantages, I think with podcasts, the advantage you have is you you break into a non-necessarily captive audience. So people on their commutes, people, you know, while they're at the gym, all these different things where they don't physically have to look. And that's like a really, really powerful brand opportunity because you're sitting there and they don't necessarily have to like fixate their attention on you. But it's one of those things where you're like literally in their head, right? On video, like they have to have, you know, for the most part, you know, I know a lot of people who like will just turn on videos in the background as well. But for the most part, they have to, you know, actually have a captive audience. And that comes with a lot of advantages because you're you're getting their attention for a certain period of time. And so and then there's a bunch of remnant, you know, advantages, disadvantages from those those main advantages and disadvantages. But I think the big thing that we found is from a distribution standpoint, you know, podcasts can be really powerful just because there's built-in distribution mechanisms with different channels of where people find their podcasts. But overall, it's one of those things where I think your your media mix is is actually more important than anything. Meaning, you should have both just so that you can you know basically push push people to the right thing that they want. Is this sort of strategy something you think? every company should do or is there like particular factors of a brand or a product or an industry that you think is is more beneficial to start like a media sort of network with videos and podcasts underneath it i think if you're committing to content this is the strategy that you have to start moving forward with with your own obviously variations depending on your audience and what you're doing and and the reason for this is because you know, we used to talk about 10x content. Like, hey, don't just write the 800 word blog post. Now you have to write the like 2,500 word blog post. Well, you know, the density of quality is just going to go up, up, and up. And also, like, yes, if you have like a specific thing someone's looking for, you're going to want to have that particular, you know, type of you know piece of content that's out there to attract that person. But there's this interesting thing that happens at the intersection of brand as well as like lead generation, which is really what's happening with, with a podcast that you don't necessarily have to be a salesy, but you stay very, very top of mind for folks. And you also can have the element of, oh yeah, sales. Like I, I want that product that they mentioned, that's their product. Like let's get hooked up with that. And so I, I think a really, really big thing to kind of keep in mind is like, you don't have to go all in right away, but if you're doing content and you're just doing SEO, like 
you should move on to also doing at least a podcast at first and then moving into a world where you know you're okay if only a thousand people listen you know per episode or even hundreds of people listen per episode because again it, it's your audience right and i think people get too fixated on the numbers and then eventually like you'll add a second podcast because you'll do it based on the personas you target the use case you have or you know a bunch of things in between but yeah i think the short answer is yes i think this is where content is going where you're going to have to be a multimedia company from a content perspective assuming that you have a content strategy. There are plenty of businesses where most of your leads are driven by demand gen or something else. You probably should still have some branded type content. And I think podcasts are a really good way to go, but it's one of those things where it's not necessarily required. That's super interesting too, what you mentioned about essentially the ROI or, or the, the listenership that would determine success here. Like, how do, you, how do you think about that for your shows in your network historically or what you're working on currently? Like, what sort of outcomes have you seen from this, you know, working for you guys? And how should people think about the ROI of this sort of strategy? Yeah, I think one of the, the cooler parts is people think we're a heck of a lot bigger than we are because we've put in the effort to, you know, have some of this like actual branded content. I think like direct outcomes, we've seen plenty of sales, like direct sales, like come from this. And thankfully our products have like pretty high LTV. And so it's one of those things that it kind of justifies the spend. I will say though, like ironically, given, you know, we're, we're a very numbers paced company, given what we do, we definitely like find it very difficult as most companies do to track ROI perfectly when it comes to podcasts as well as other content. So we break it down. We look at the number of leads we get in a given quarter. We also look at the number of engaged leads, which is you know a higher number, obviously. And then in addition to that, we look at like a whole host of different things that just basically give us, you know, a lot of insight into, oh, like, you know, this is where this is trending in a good direction. We're getting this type of ROI, at least at a high level, which allows us to, you know, obviously, you know, keep justifying, you know, more and more spend. But I think the big thing is like the outcome isn't, and this is like all content, the outcome is not immediate. And I think a lot of people, they treat like, oh, I've been blogging for four weeks and nothing's happened. It's like, yeah, you've been blogging for four weeks and you have to let this stuff compound a bit, which you know takes some time. What do you think is a good timeline? I mean, I know it, it'll be so subjective depending on the situation, but you know, you say you were, you're launching a new show. What sort of benchmarks are you hoping to achieve roughly you know, on based on what sort of timeline that would say to yourself, let's definitely continue this, or maybe we should think about breaking this into a season one, season two, and, and regrouping. So, yeah, I think I think you have to do. It's it's so hard because you know, just look at like YouTubers, right? <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where they, you know, they might've had a hundred videos that did somewhat okay. And then all of a sudden there's that one video that popped and that's when they, that's when they, they went kind of nuts and everything went really, really well. Right. So I think that like overall, I think it's really, really hard to say. Now, what I will say is that I think that you should always time box what you're doing and then just adjust what success is. So for example, mm-hmm. I might time box like, okay, we're going to launch a new show. Well, let's do an eight episode season or a six episode season or a 13 episode season and we can, which is like a quarter and we can basically time box that particular period and, you know, look at what it looks like 
when we release all those episodes as well as like the month or so afterwards, right? Now I can't go, hey, this has to be our number one revenue driving show, but I can go like, hey, if we look at these three data points, we should at least feel, and I know that's a very dangerous thing, we should at least feel like we've improved or feel like you know we've made a meaningful stride. And that might be the number of leads, that might be the anecdotal feedback that you get, that might be a whole host of things that, that kind of contributes to that. But I think too many people get really fixated on like there has to be ROI immediately and mm-hmm. they don't realize that ROI, especially with content, it's very similar to product like it compounds over time. Like it takes some time for that, that compounding to happen. So I think like doing a season and that might be mean to you, six episodes, 13 episodes, I think is good. I think the way that you do these things is, is actually really easy. Like you kind of break down like doing a season in a day or a season over a week. So you don't have to be like filming or talking or all these different things constantly, but you can kind of do a lot of that legwork or batch that legwork. And that helps kind of bring down the, the cost or the perceived cost of things. What sort of marketing approaches, you know, to that end, when you're thinking about time boxing, you know, production of a new show, what marketing approaches have you seen be most successful for growing your podcasts or your video shows for that matter? Yeah, it's a good question. And that's the hardest thing. I want someone to come out with that product, to be honest. Because <laughs> really, because really what it's been is anyone who's like, oh yeah, just get it on the front page of Apple. It's like, well... It's really hard to like predict that, right? And and also to to do that unless you like know someone and even then it's like super tough. So yeah, I think overall, I think the biggest thing to kind of focus on is making sure that you have an email list or you have like somewhat of an email list that you can go to. So even if it's 50 people being like, hey, came out this podcast, like would love for you to like give some some feedback, right? And I think what we've done really well. Well, I shouldn't say very well. I think we've we've done pretty good and we're getting better at this is you know, we've started going to we started getting together a playbook of like, hey, we're gonna launch a new show or launch a new episode. What does this like look like so that we can one, obviously get this in the hands of people, but also get some shares and also get some, you know, adoption outside of like someone going and finding us an Apple podcast or those types of things. And so I guess the, the quickest answer is like focus on what you can definitely control. And you can absolutely control asking people from an email list to sign up. You can absolutely control, you know, getting folks on board with, you know, tweeting something about you, whole host of things that that we can basically do you know, to kind of focus on that. Yeah. And it sounds like some of those things might hit because that's the tough thing about content is like, you know, it obviously is going to be good content because you wanted to create the show and you have an angle for it and put a team together to execute it. But some shows might hit more than others. So doing the same marketing strategy on two, three different shows, one of them might actually just resonate more for whatever reason and sort of naturally, organically take off on its own. But one other thing I was curious about for you, and if you had any insight into how you think about the value of a podcast listener compared to that of like an email subscriber or a YouTube subscriber or a blog reader, sort of these other channels of awareness, how you would think about you know, the value of a podcast subscriber compared to those other channels? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. It's, it's actually, it's a super tough framework because at the end of the day, we do value an email address more than a podcast subscriber. But that isn't to say that the main reason we value it is because of visibility. 
Meaning Mm -hmm. like you get a little bit less visibility into who that podcast subscriber is when you, yeah, you, you just get less visibility into that podcast subscriber. And so I think it's one of those things that's super tough to like, you know, really compare and contrast. But at the end of the day, if you have to, you value the email address more just because of the visibility. But what I will say is that we have plenty of people who, you know, subscribe to us either on YouTube or via Apple Podcasts or uh, Google. I can't, it's not Google Podcasts or it might be Google, like whatever Google's version is, <laughs> or, mm-hmm. you know, all of the long tail of like Spotify and a bunch of the other ones that are out there. And so, when we look at them from a what we're trying to optimize perspective, they're looked at very much the same. So when we're mm-hmm. valuing like, hey, how many people are subscribed to you know protect the hustle, we actually will add up you know our what we see as our podcast subscribers plus our email email, and you know we know that there's a lot of double counting happening, but we just keep it consistent. And then what that allows us to do is it basically allows us to understand like how things are growing or if they're contracting or like what's happening with a particular show. And then that allows us to make decisions on like, should we invest in this more content? Should we not? But from like a money perspective, we also certainly count those both because we've had plenty of examples of people who you know, weren't in our database that came in and all of a sudden we're like, oh, I'm a longtime listener of the podcast or I'm a longtime listener of this. Mm -hmm. And if you don't count those podcast subscribers as essentially leads, you're missing out on optimizing for those channels, essentially. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. You know, and kind of what you were mentioning before, a little bit on the marketing stuff. How do you come up with the show, the shows that you want to launch next? Because there are obviously going to be strategies for marketing it, and trying to get the most ROI out of it post-launch, but actually developing what the content itself is, is that stemmed from your intuition? Or I know you guys are heavy in data and research, you know, based on your user base and, and some of the analytics that you have. So how do you actually end up creating what the show is that you're going to be launching? Yeah, it's... It's an impossible question. (laughs) So I think that, well, it's not that impossible. So like, for example, we, we focus a lot on, how do I put this? We focus a lot on like having basically a, some people call it a swipe file. Some people call it an idea folder, but a lot of our content crew, they're not very well versed in like you know, SaaS or our market or subscriptions, right? Like they're, they're not necessarily the ones, but they're very versed in all the formats that are out there. And so what I encourage a lot of people to do is like, Hey, like let's look for every format we can. Right. So let's look at, you know, oh, there's this format on ESPN that I really like. Like, I don't know how it would work with, you know, subscriptions and in our audience, but it's a cool format or, Hey, this is performance on E or this performance on, you know, Oprah channel or O channel. There's all these formats. And so we get all the formats in one place. And then we think about like, how do we apply them? Right. And, and we've recently gotten into a framework where, you know, a show either needs to be like, like we have this little, you know, matrix where it's like, it focuses on a vertical as well as like a use case. So for mm-hmm. us, it's like SAS retention, SAS pricing, and SaaS general. So those are like our three like, you know, use cases. General is like, hey, we have a news show, we have like, you know, some sort of, you know, protect the hustles like general, right? It's like it's very top of the funnel. And then we have these very specific, like if you're interested in pricing or if you're interested in retention, here's what it looks like. Or the show needs to be very focused on a role. So our show trade-offs, that was very, very focused on product people. 
right? Mm. And we experimented with that because it was like, well, it's kind of like general content, but it's for for product folks, right? And so we then take those formats and we're like, hey, in the matrix, we don't have something for here, here, or here. Like, what would be a cool format? And so that's kind of where we we starting to start from. And then we took a huge step back and we're like, these shows are great and they're doing their jobs, but it would be really fantastic if we had like a, a 10x show, right? And so mm-hmm. we've been working on this like 10x show, you know, that that basically can, you know, be like, holy cow, this is very, very fantastic looking, or this is really, really nice, like whatever it is. And so we're working on some like really, really 10X content. But what we learned is we wouldn't be able to work on that like fantastic content because we didn't have like our skill set there. Whereas like the Wistias of the world, like they've been producing just dope content for so long. They really, really have that DNA. And when we tried to have that DNA a year or so ago, we just weren't there. And so I think it's, you know, start small, but like find formats. And I think this is the the secret is like lean on the format because you might not have someone who's charismatic at your company to be a host. Mm-hmm. That's totally fine. Your execs want to be involved because they're execs and they all think they're great. They're probably not all great. And so <laughs> lean on the format and lean on scripting. If you have someone super charismatic, then just like go. Like if you have someone who's super, super, super charismatic, just like put a camera in front of them and let them go. But if you don't like lean on formats and things like that. And this is what we've done where like, I'm not necessarily super charismatic, but I can talk a lot about the things that, you know, our customers or our users or our viewers are like dealing with. And so it was a lot easier for me to just like get in front of a camera and talk about a topic. I can't be in front of all of our shows because like we're trying to build, you know, a media network and a media network isn't one person, right? And so what we ended up doing is we're now experimenting like with firing quote unquote me from a bunch of different <laughs> shows so that other people can kind of take up the mantle and what we found is that scripting and like giving good signposts and things like that are really really helpful. Man, yeah, I love so much about all that. You know, specifically because you don't put so much pressure on yourself to have to get it perfect out of the gate. It sounds like it's more of an experimentation. Like you believe in the in the strategy as a whole of creating content, creating sort of a media network, but you don't have to get it perfect right out of the gate. So you can, to your point, sounds like you've just essentially been creating great content over the last year or two, but ultimately that's led you to the insight that sounds like it's gonna be your next sort of release or launch of the 10X style content or show that you're talking about that might end up being the anchor show, similar to like how, how a podcast network, you know, Gimlet or Wondery, you know, these really, really popular podcast networks start where they start with one show that that ends up, you know, becoming massively successful and then launch other shows on, on the back of that. Yep. So I love so much about that because it, it removes sort of the the barrier to entry to think that it has to work the first time or it has to be perfect the first time. And then the format is just that experimentation lever you can use um, to not be have to be so personality driven for each of them. Yeah, 100%. So yeah, and then, you know, just in general, I guess, you know, we've talked a little bit about it, but what is your opinion on where this is all going? ProfitWell and what you guys are doing here is definitely, I think, still ahead of the curve in all of this. Like, do you ultimately see sort of every company needing to do this style of content or, or, you know, should do this style of content in the future in sort of a perfectly competitive market where more and more things are, you know, the differentiations between 
products is becoming smaller. And so mm-hmm. brand might be that layer on top that is the actual true differentiator. Like what's your opinion on sort of where this is going over the next you know few years or whatever sort of outlook you like to look out to? Yeah, it's a great question. I I hate to sound like Gary V, which <laughs> I think a lot of this, you know, because it's it's moving to this place of attention, right? And that's that's something that he always talks about. And I think that we need to move to a place where like we're focused on that attention. And I think that so so long story short, I, I, this is where the world's going. Like again, you don't need four, five, six shows and a team to do all this, but like you got to start talking to your users, brand, customers, leads, whatever, in a more humane way, in a more like personality driven way. And again, that doesn't mean you have to be charismatic. It just means that like, you know, personality driven just in terms of like, you know, having a, a little bit more of a branded way to talk to them. And so I think that this is where the world's going. And it's just, it's just a math formula. It's just like, hey, there's all this density. All of a sudden, this is going to be the, the low-hanging fruit is, hey, let's start a podcast. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that if the only thing you can do is start an interview podcast, you should do it. But I think most folks should be starting something that's a little bit more substantial. You know, because interview podcasts, there's just so many of them. And if you don't have some differentiator, like very strong personality you know, type folks, I think it gets... It gets super tough, but if your niche doesn't have an interview podcast, like go for it, right? So I think that's that's like where a lot of this is going. Is just to make sure that you know you're you're kind of you know bringing up your own expertise and sophistication with where the market is. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man, Patrick. I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to share some of this stuff. I've loved watching what you and you and the team have been doing over the last few years to to build up ProfitWell to this point and. I guess, you know, kind of wrapping up here, if you had one final piece of advice, I know we've talked a lot about the different forms of media and and content in general, but for this question specifically, if a brand was looking at considering a podcast strategy as a channel that they should invest in, do you have like one piece of advice that they should consider when making that decision? Ooh, yeah. That's super tough. I think don't overthink it. Start small. I think that's the big thing is we, and it's a little bit of ironic advice given that I think we overthink these things all the time. I think the the number one thing you can do is just, again, don't overthink it. Just focus in on like, hey, like let's let's make sure that you can like get something off the feet and be consistent. And that's, that's really where like don't overthink it is important is because you have to be consistent. You know, yes, it's great if you do 12 episodes and then someone's like, oh, where did that go? But you want to make sure they don't have to ask that because that means they've, you know, they've stopped, you know, listening or they've stopped kind of pushing things forward. So, yeah, I think long story short, don't overthink it and be consistent. Love it. Awesome, man. Well, PC, can't thank you enough. Been great having you on. We'll continue to follow and support what you guys are doing at ProfitWell and definitely encourage everybody to check out all of ProfitWell's shows that we mentioned here. We'll link them in the show notes. But to really get a glimpse of what creating those types of formats that he was talking about shows based on those formats, really interesting approaches that you all have taken and really highly encourage everybody to go subscribe. But other than that, Patrick, anywhere else you want to direct people to go check out if they want to learn more about you or ProfitWell? Yeah, I'm just Patrick Campbell on LinkedIn or never feel never feel scared to email me. I'm just PC at ProfitWell.com. Always, always up for helping folks. 
Awesome. Thanks so much, Patrick. All right. Thanks, brother. We'll see ya. 